Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast about mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And we are very lucky to have a top-tier subscriber with a us today. Terminal Talk top-tier subscriber. Yeah, at, at the cost of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Worth <laughs> every penny. <laughs> exactly. And a showgirl. Bonjour. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> wow. I think she said hi. Welcome to the illustrious Terminal Talk Studios and Poughkeepsie and the U.S. in general. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I mean, it's been really an honor for me to be here. I have listened, you know, to uh, practically all of your podcasts, so probably I'm your biggest fan. So I do expect a beige after this uh, <laughs> session. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think we've listened to all the sets. There have been ones that I have... Um, <laughs> I've taken shortcuts in editing. Like, ah, that was good. Nobody cursed or anything. Else. There you go. We're good. We're so good. good on you. Good on you. <laughs> Round of applause. Oh, thank you. This is sweet. <laughs> so, Anna, what do you do besides listen to Terminal Talk? So, it's <laughs> a good question. So, I'm uh, I'm a Z champion. I think that says it all. So, I'm a mainframe technical specialist. So, as a as a specialist. <laughs> what do you specialize in? Yeah. So I um, I support customers with the mainframe projects. So I, I think I have quite an interesting history of employment with IBM. I started seven years ago in Russia as a, a ZCTS, Z Client Technical Specialist, and um, I was aligned to very big accounts. And at some point, I decided that actually... It would be a shame not to explore, you know, the world, given that I work for international companies. So I was looking for other possibilities and other opportunities. And I moved to, to, to the UK. And I had fantastic uh, almost three years in the UK. I was aligned to financial um, financial customers. And it was a great opportunity to actually to see how... Um, mainframe customers work in production like mm. it's real production 24 7 and you know sometimes ibm lab likes to say oh here's a ptf for you dear customer can you install it this night and the customer <laughs> says yeah our next plant ipl is in two months or something <laughs> like this so it was a really great uh, opportunity and uh, while i was in the gate i um, i was introduced to the large system performance i became um a remote part and intern of a uh, worldwide performance team. So um, performance guru Martin Becker and Dave Betton, they are my mentors. Ah. So thanks to them, I'm exploring this world. It's been really amazing because performance absolutely is a great, interesting topic. And for me, it's been a great experience. And um, e- recently, Martin even let me co-present with him. It was a fantastic experience. It's a good guy. Yeah. Where, where did you present? Uh, so uh, we are regularly presenting at technical universities in Europe, since we're in Europe, and um, uh, at GC conferences uh, predominantly in the UK. And actually, um, after fantastic three three years, three years uh, in the UK, I moved to IBM Montpellier to south of France. And um, here I'm focusing mostly on the blockchain. Uh, but this is interesting because... I will say one more one more sentence about blockchain, then I'll stop. <laughs> because it changed the perception of the platform. Because um, you know, uh, people used to think that you know a mainframe is a cobble machine, right? And now it's not a cobble machine. Now mainframe is a strategic 
platform for blockchain. So, so can you see the difference, right? Yeah. So, so I, I think it's uh, important. And also, as a Z champion, I'm leading a work group focused on uh, that hyperlink. So uh, that hyperlink is a new IO technology, and um, actually, you might want wonder why is it me talking about that hyperlink, not Harry Udenfriend, who actually created this, right? So oh, if he wants to drag himself in here, he's more than welcome <laughs> to, but, you know. <laughs> so, so actually, I have this great chance, you know, to be sort of like, you know, a gateway between customers and field because I, I work in the field. I work with the customer projects and uh, communicate with the lab because, um, you know, uh, it's important to let customers, to let them know about all these fascinating technologies that are coming out and, you know, to also send their feedback back to the lab so you know lab can analyze and do something differently so um i had a lunch with harry Uden friend yesterday so i think i'm all set to talk about <laughs> it <high volume now. laughs> so uh you you also um talked a little bit about the fact that you're doing stuff in performance yeah so yeah what moved you into performance um so um actually I, I had some benchmark projects, and actually my first business trip with IBM was to Poughkeepsie. So can you believe it? Me, um, I, I was 22, and it was my like first uh, big job. And uh, three months later, they tell me, oh, you're going to go to New York as your first business trip. And I thought, well, whoa, this is a good start. So, And you're uh, thinking Manhattan. <laughs> no, Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. It's sort of like Manhattan. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still New York, right? So, uh, exactly. so I could tell the friends, I'm going to New York, like, yeah. And um, so I was introduced to Benchmark. <laughs> That's right. It could be worse places. Yeah, there's worse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry to the one Utica listener. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Carry on. Oh, please. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> Somebody has to. Well, uh, so... Um, Actually, we were lucky in IBM Russia. We had our own mainframe, so we could do the POC ourselves. So that was um, pretty cool. We could do uh, POC and like pre-benchmark because obviously we didn't have the tools and stuff, but at least we could test the platforms and let others migrate their solutions. And um, um, so I went to KPC uh, with a benchmark project. And I remember I was here for three weeks and I remember the benchmark room. This is all I remember because we were actually <laughs> very busy. We had a very um, complicated case. So we were working nights and days, but it was fantastic from the skills perspective because obviously here I worked uh, with um, a performance a benchmark team. So I learned a lot. And this is um, how I first, you know, got like a feeling of this. And then uh, when I was in the UK, uh, I worked um, on a case and then uh, Martin Becker was doing a study, performed a study for this client. And I remember how a customer was looking and listening to Martin and I thought, well, actually, I mean, performance is fantastic. People people, people get to listen to you like this. I, wa <laughs> I, want, I want to do the same. And uh, it's quite intriguing. It's like interesting. You're solving a case, right? And you're wondering, okay, so I will take this threat and where it will lead me, and um, it's really, it's really interesting. So nice. Yeah. Do you happen to remember, like, what, um, what, what you know, if you're ever going back to the crime scene analogy, <laughs> what was like the murder weapon? Like, what was the, uh, what was like the conclusion? Like, where, what was the area yeah. you majored in on? Uh, well, um, I, I'm doing, a, I'm, I'm trying to do the um, MBS performance, so. Um, Currently, my assignment 
is, you know, to map SMF-113 uh, hardware instrumental data so that, uh, you know, um, the team tool can analyze this data. It's, it's, it's fantastic, and you can get a lot of information from, from there. So the thing you're, you're you're working on right now that we're going to talk about the uh, Z hyperlink. Z hyperlink. Z hyperlink. <laughs> yes. Can you? So what the what the what the heck is uh, Z hyperlink? So um, you know um, when Z14 was released, uh, I think there was a big focus on pervasive encryption, and uh, I think many people forgot that actually it was not the only technology that was introduced with right. Um, <laughs> Z14, yes. right? So it was at hyperlink. So uh, the hyperlink, it's a new technology. And, you know, sometimes uh, you might want to ask yourself, is there a way to, you know, to cut the response, the application response time by 50% without changing the application? Is there a way to bring the data closer to the processor? And guess what's the answer? There is now. Said hyperlink. Yes, <laughs> bingo. Yeah. So the hyperlink, it's a blend of uh, technologies. It's the enhancements on uh, side of the mainframe on storage because this is really tight collaboration between storage and uh, mainframe. Basically, it's the uh, link. It's a d- direct link uh, which is attached uh, to um, D- D- DS8K. Um, Cache subsystem directly to Z14 IO uh, IO cage, and um, if you are a DB2 ZOS customer, you you will see the benefit from DB2 reads improvement. So actually, I have a performance claims which <laughs> I improved. So I'm just gonna read them. So um, so that hyperlink improves application response time by up to fifty percent, right? And it's designed for up to 10 times lower read latency than that high performance Python. Yeah. So, uh, these are other claims, the performance claims. And obviously customers, they might see different, uh, results in the environment because, you know, it really depends on the workload. Um, so if you are a DB2 customer, you should be really looking at that hyperlink because really, uh, there are no, application changes uh, required. All you need to do is really place your DSHK closer to the mainframe, well, because there are laws of physics, which unfortunately you cannot bypass, so uh, you have to be no longer than 150 meters. Obviously, this is the results that we have seen in the lab, right? Because that hyperlink is a fairly new technology, and uh, currently customers can exploit DB2 reads, right? Uh, however, uh, there is a statement of direction saying that the support will be extended to DB2 uh, rights, and this is where it's becoming very interesting, and also right. to VSAM rights. Yeah, I said right. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we, we, you know, anytime you see performance numbers like that, you you, know, you just kind of imagine a, a mile of asterisk, asterisk behind them. You know, there's qualifying claims. However, those numbers are so interesting and compelling. And, you know, if you're familiar with the platform, you know kind of what we can do by shortening pathways and, and providing direct links. That I, I think that those are the types of things that somebody might start re-architecting their application around or their, their environment around to take advantage of them. Well, this is the thing. Like, you don't really need to change your application you just simply, you know, move your DS8K closer to the mainframe. Like, oh, I mean, okay. it's well, this, fairly simple roll it right over. Yeah, we'll start pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it is actually dependent on the physical 
yeah. distance because we haven't been able to speed up light yet. Y- yeah. Uh, so, so the thing is that y- you're probably familiar with the I/O processing in the mainframe. So you know that there are two types of uh, I/O. First one is a coupling facility links, which are very fast, right? And second is um, a traditional FICON. So what happens with the FICON is actually, you know, uh, whenever there is a uh, uh, there is a requirement for I/O. The uh, interrupt occurs, right? And your your task is getting redispatched. So the hyperlink paradigm is actually comes from uh, coupling facility uh, because coupling facility links they uh, they they are so fast that actually there is no redispatching occurring, and this is the same what happens with that hyperlink. So this is where the uh, reduction of time of connect time is coming from is because there is no ready patch of the of the task and uh, i uh, i want to underline that you know um that hyperlink does not replace ficon or high performance ficon it complements it right so please uh, please yeah. please <laughs> they're taking away our ficon no, <laughs> no, please please no. leave your put your tweets ficon. away yeah <laughs> yes so this is the enhancement on top of FICON and there are some of course caveats because currently it's again it's TB2 reads only but the support for other workloads will be will be growing so um, if you are planning your environment now think about that hyperlink think about uh, preparing your environment and um, what what our performance team is uh, would like would like to do is actually you know to help clients to quantify the benefit right so you know, having the scene before hyperlink mm-hmm. and after, and to, to be able to compare this uh, results would be this is something that we're looking at. So, if somebody is willing to send some data, then we can probably t- take a look at this. So it's 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 not worth trying to think about it like as part of the the com stack or or the the typical I/O structure. Right. It's it's something else kind of to plan around. Well, uh, it's still part of the I/O. Uh, your part, yeah, your subsystem. However, you know it's a new card, new PCI Express okay. card, new slots. Okay. So, so um, this is where the difference comes from. The numbers, you know, the the fifty times speed up and, yeah. and the ten times speed up. Those, that's um, if there's if there's you know, if you if you give DB two users a uh, uh, the opportunity to write a Christmas list with one <laughs> item, it's I want things faster and with less latency. So this must make them very happy. Right. So, so the whole idea was, you know, to reduce the latency because if you take a look at the breakout of, like, you know, of typical transaction, you will see that there is a chunk of time which where the transaction is spent doing nothing, just waiting for the data. Mm-hmm. So um, it's the connect time. It's the connect uh, time component of the I.O. And the hyperlink is aimed to reduce this latency. So we were talking a lot about DB2 because that's what you have numbers for, right? But it doesn't have to be DB2. Any kind of reads would be affected, right? Well, so for now, it's DB2 reads, right? And again, it's very new technology, right? And uh, I mean, 90% of mainframe customers, they are running DB2 in their shop. So um, they will be the first one who will be uh, who will be able to explore this. However, if you have Kix, for example, then and if Kix uses DB2, then you can also exploit that hyperlink by DB2. But if I have a Kix application and it's leveraging vSAM, would I be able to get? Uh, well, so there is a statement of direction about uh, upcoming support for vSAM. Unfortunately, I cannot say more than this. So get be ready. <laughs> uh, vSAM support is coming. So 
get ready. And uh, what I can tell about is actually uh, the fact that uh, if you're if you're subscribed to you know to IBM Z notifications, you have seen that a new function, new PTF, has been released, and you can dynamically switch on and on hyperlinks. And this is pretty cool. It's done on the DFSMS storage class, ah. right? So you define a storage class for that hyperlink, and then you run 15 minutes without that hyperlink, and then you dynamically change uh, 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 change to use that hyperlink for another 15 minutes, and then you can do the comparison. So uh, this is very interesting. It's, so uh, the support is very granular. Nice, at the data set level. Yeah, and actually... Um, SMF has been enhanced to to incorporate wow. these changes. So there were changes to seventy four subtop nine. It's um, synchronous I/O data information, and to forty two subset five and six, which uh, represent storage class and data set level. So, and uh, if you are using ZBNA, you can do some preliminary performance uh, estimations using ZBNA, and if you want to do like the real performance studies then contact our performance team yeah <laughs> so how much time do you spend doing a lot of this uh, like kind of lab performance work and how much time do you spend out with customers um so actually I'm really dreaming about uh, you know doing performance full time so <laughs> I think I have expressed this a couple of times to some people. So, um, but I at the same time I really like the customer-facing role because um, customer asks very different questions and motivates us to do some things differently. To, to you know to have their feedback is very important because in the end we're creating all this fancy technology for them, right? So. Um, I like this combination of lab work and still customer visiting. However, I would be really keen to do more performance work. So wink, wink. <laughs> it's one of the uh, worst guarded secrets. <laughs> um, what can you tell as a as a world traveler, literally yeah. a world traveler? What, yeah. what can you tell us about like how mainframe customers are um, around the world? Are they all you know? Can you walk into somebody and in France, and you know, is it all the same, or is there different things that you have to keep in mind? Um, well, I would say that uh, mainframe customers they are all the same and different at the same time, because um, I would say that they have uh, one thing in common: they're very, very smart and intelligent, you know, and uh, they're very experienced. So. You need to come prepared. <laughs> I, I think you're just uh, trying to pump up the the listeners here. I mean, obviously, mainframe users are some of the smartest, best looking, <laughs> most. Let's say most. most, not all, not all. <laughs> but you have to. Um, but you know, they're, so they're they're smart. But you know, is, yeah. is there are there a difference in markets? You know, yeah. obviously, you know, GDPR, everything is. is yeah. Uh, well, well, uh, obviously, you know, um, they have to meet different types of regulations because, uh, of course, all of them are processing sensitive corporate information. So um, they are really concerned about security. So and uh, 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 they, they, they differentiate in a way how they're regulated, uh, what the workload they're running. And, you know, some customers, they like to run very hot, like, you know, very close to the limit. Mm-hmm. Of, of the mainframe because, well, you know, that's what mainframe 
does, right? It, it can run pretty close. Some people like to have some additional headroom. Um, so uh, um, customers, they, they they really have something in common and the sa- at the same time something different because, you know, it's not them who, who are deciding how t- to play this. Right. You said that you um, a lot of what you've been working with from a customer perspective is uh, financial. Are there other um, areas of the industries that you've been hitting, or is it? Yeah. So I I, I think I had this uh, unique uh, experience of working both with enterprise customers and startups and young companies, um, predominantly for the blockchain projects. <laughs> But uh, it, it, it's a great experience, and uh, uh, we ha- on, on the one hand, we have enterprise clients, and we know how they work. And at the same time, it's it's very it's very challenging to talk ma- mainframe to young companies to startups. But I think it's a great thing to do because uh, we need to make sure that all people are using our brilliant technology. So yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Then you you said. That you've been talking to these these startups, um, are they asking a different set of questions from the enterprise clients? Yeah, uh, yeah, th- they do uh, because uh, the thing about startups is that they want to get up and running very fast, right? And they want to scale out uh, very quickly. So um, uh, this is what what's their concern, and also. Uh, they would really like to know how we support different type of workloads, how we support Docker and containers and cloud, you know, all these buzzwords. Most of those clients that you've been working with in that space has mostly been on the Linux side. Or... Yeah, yeah, the part of the Linux workload is growing. Uh, however, I think that it is important to equally communicate the value of ZOS, right? Because this is the this is the system, right, to build... Uh, most uh, reliable, secure solutions, and uh, I think that we should not, you know, hold ourselves from talking ZOS uh, to to startups because why not? It can be uh, like you know, a startup that will become a bank in a year. Oh yeah. So they will be running the transactional workload. So why not? I, I would love to be able to present uh, ZOS as something that you can graduate up to. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's why it's really important that we get. The whole DevOps thing, right? Working because if if we make it easy to develop to, um, especially for startups, right? It'll be a lot easier for them to to do that to graduate to that. Yeah, it's, uh, just, it's just a container. I'm going to throw my thing on that, you know, on yeah. that platform. It just so happens to be very powerful. Yes. <laughs> when we we talk a lot about containers, um, are the are these startups really focusing on Docker a lot, would you say? Uh, well, Docker is de facto like a standard if, uh, in the world of containers. However, there are other different, you know, uh, solutions. So um, I, I think uh, everybody is uh, is willing to know what we are supporting, right? And actually, I'm happy to say that we're supporting lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, like three years ago, there was a chart uh, what Linux One supports, right? And it, it was just like, you know, a single chart with some small logos of the companies. And like, you know, now we have like a deck where we can show all the solutions that we're supporting on Linux One platform. And this is great. This is a great transition. Uh, you, you, you started in Russia uh, and you've 
you've done Europe and and obviously a couple of stints here in the U.S. Did you uh, start as a as a teenager saying I want to work on mainframes or how, how did you get to mainframes from? Um, so I have a funny story to tell Ooh. about how I got into mainframes. Um, so I was a PhD student, and like all PhD students, I was moonlighting. I was moonlighting in the research center, and at some point, this research uh, center, they bought the mainframe, and they said, if somebody is willing to work in the mainframe, we're going to pay more to this person, and I was, oh. <laughs> I was the first one. And um, I spent... Uh, like a year um, doing ZOS and DB2 for ZOS installations, SMP and all this, you know, like nitty gritty stuff. So actually it was a very good school. And then I got into IBM as an intern and I got into the um, systems architect team. So I supposed to be an architect, like, you know, like uh, George Costanza <laughs> type oh, of yeah. architect. <laughs> yeah. And um, on my first day uh, as an intern, I was uh, sitting in the lobby and I was waiting for my manager, you know, to batch me in, to give me the laptop and all this stuff. And then I saw a mainframe team and they were like, and they knew me from, from because they were coming to this research center and they were like, well, why are you sitting here? You can wait your for your manager in our room. And the thing is, uh, back then, like, everybody sat in uh, an open space, except the mainframe and storage team. They had their own room, oh. and you had to batch to go into this room. And this room was just uh, uh, just in front of the data center where the mainframe was. So I sat there, and I never left. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, you saw it as as an elite thing, not like we put those guys in the cage, and we just, you know... No, I, I, I mean, I mean, like you know, other people could not page into this room. Right. It was our private rooms, so oh, even sellers go. could not go into this room. So, yeah, um, yeah, I, I think that um, what I like uh, about mainframe is the scale, because mm. I have this chance to work with big clients and with uh, new, exciting startups, travel all over the world. I, I've worked in Russia, in uh, UK, and in France, and I really like uh, the scale because there are some th things that you can do only with the mainframe, right? And uh, this is very exciting. There, What was it like to get started on a mainframe when you didn't have um, a ton of people supporting you? Uh, so when I started, I had like uh, this pile of IBM documentation, and since I I I graduated with engineering degree, all I need to have is a manual, right? <laughs> and I can figure this out. So uh, I know that some people were like, you know, scared. Oh no, there is an ISPF green terminal. I actually found it qu quite uh, convenient. Once you masterize, once you learn how to use it, it becomes very convenient. It's very fast. So um, I, I didn't have any formal mainframe education oh, wow. <laughs> until I started presenting on, on the mainframe. So, so the, and, and then you just kind of, if you needed to figure something out, you went back to the lab, learned it, and came back. Yeah, out. and uh, I mean, I mean, what I'm really grateful for is the, you know, it's the ecosystem that we have. I mean. Uh, there are so so many great people that I can ask the advice if I'm stuck. So I, I never had any issue of getting any question um, solved. So uh, this is fantastic to have this ecosystem, like you know, Montpellier Center, Beblingen Center, 
obviously Poughkeepsie, uh, and this is great. So uh, how long after you started with this stack of manuals? The guy's missed it because she, she put her hand about <laughs> four feet from the floor on the stack of, uh, of manuals. How long did it take you to feel comfortable kind of managing the system? Well, um, uh, let me let me reply uh, on this. So there were a couple of sysprog whoopsies, and actually <laughs> that was the fastest learning curve. You know, yeah. wh- when you're breaking things and when you're fixing things and you're learning from this. So um, uh, that was really really uh, helpful. You you can really uh, in a in a timeline of one's career on the mainframe, <laughs> you can really set those flag you know mileposts of when you really screwed something off. It's it, <laughs> it's the best way to learn. Yeah, it is the best way. You know, you never learn when things are going well. Yeah, right. Awesome. Well, this is uh, I think we're at about the bottom of the hour, right? So, yes, we are. So I uh, really want to. Uh, uh, thank you, Anna, for coming and be, being part of this and telling us about your experience, which I think is pretty unique amongst uh, the people we've interviewed. Thank you. It's been a great honor for me, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Old Man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.